You're listening to a Comics XF podcast. X-Men. And welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast, where all who knows fear burns at our touch. I'm Adam. And I'm the bad boy of X-Men podcast. Hey, Adam. Hey, uh, it's a little damp in here. What, why, why are we recording in a swamp this week? Because we wanted to have our man things out, our giant size man <laughs> things. We've done the joke. We've done the joke everyone wanted all episode. Giant size man thing. We all get it. It is very funny that they named a comic that. <laughs> Continues to yeah. be the best use of man thing. It's fantastic. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess it explains why we're covered in moss and slime and, and, and peat moss and, you know, whatever. Adam, as you know, as you know, I have I have slowly retreated from the digital world yes. and have decided to make myself one with the mycelium network mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I do still need to be entirely online. I need to be too online, but now I'm online about, hey, what's changing in the acidity of the soil and mm-hmm. are we able to find food that we can break down and process this way or that way? Let us let... The uh, the mycelia. Yeah, tell us. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm I'm mad now. I'm trying to remember what's the name of the little the little the little strandy thingies. Are you are you like that mushrooms mm, have? Yeah, They're like fungus I, have. What are the little? I know this things? is part, I know this is part of your hashtag fungus core, but I'm I'm hashtag not fungus a big core. mushroom. Yeah, I'm not as big a mushroom guy, so I'm not sure. I'm just gonna go with you and say sure mycelia, whatever it is. Guys, if you want to get into mushrooms, go by <laughs> The Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. Yes, his name is Merlin Sheldrake. Like, he's a wizard. He's just a guy that really likes mushrooms. He's like a professor. They did just put out a illustrated version this year. Ooh. Slightly abridged. I haven't actually gotten a chance to read it, but I do know the illustrated version is half off right now on, uh, nice. on certain websites. And I need to buy that because it'll have good pictures of mushrooms. Mm. Merlin Got Sheldrake it. is also the guy who wrote the imax mushroom thing that bjork is uh, really narrating yes adam that's how when you sent it to me i was like no i already know about this but thank you i'm glad that people are taking an interest in my interests see i didn't know that aspect of it i just knew the bjork part and i was like well she's made an album about mushrooms so she has she oh yeah come on she's hashtag fungus core buddy here's what i know about bjork (laughs) yeah here's what i know about bjork Wore that swan dress one time. End yeah. of list. Oh, Zach, so much to explore. I mean, come I'm, on. Nineties icon that really just keeps exploring the depths of weirdness. I mean Sounds great. I am saving I'm gonna find her mushroom album and save it right now. <laughs> yeah, I forget I think it's the one that comes after Volnacura. Is it by uh, is it Biophilia? I think it might have been Biophilia. It's weird. It's 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 hard to tell though because she writes uh, so much music about science now. You know, like some of her music is even being used in Icelandic science curricula to like explain certain con- concepts and things. Oh like that. no, it's uh, she has a 2022 album is it called Fossora. Fossora. That's it. That's the yeah. One. That's got that's got some uh, very vaginal mushrooms on the cover. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Check it out, man. Mushroom rock. I mean, it's not. But right. there's a song called Fungal City on here and a song called Mycelia. I'm so into this. Can't wait for you to get into Bjork, Zach. It's just gonna I'm not going to really get fun. into Bjork. <laughs> Bjork is great. The closest to Bjork I've ever gotten into is uh, the song Young Folks by uh, what Peter, John and Mary or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah. Which is regionally close to Bjork, but not the same music. No, not even close. But um, I do think there's a, there's a Bjorn in that title. Oh, Peter, Paul, and, or yeah. Something like Peter, Mary, and Bjorn or whatever. Jeez, why can't <laughs> I think about young folks? <laughs> I know what you're talking about. One time, about. the thing about young folks, and this is the last thing we're going to do until we talk about man thing, because we have to get on top. It's Peter, yeah, it's Peter Bjorn, and John. The last thing about young folks is once at a Friendsgiving, 
uh, it was not even late into the evening. Mm -hmm. And I did the whitest thing I've ever done, which is while drinking a beer and playing beer pong in my friend Jacob's basement, we were adults at the time. Like we had houses and stuff. We were just trying to relive our. Sure. Sure. Yeah. The way we were days. Uh, that song came on, and I throw my cup down. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this is my jam!" <laughs> and it's just going like, <laughs> "Yeah, it was yeah. great, great time. We all enjoyed it. Everyone had fun." Man, thing is here though. Yeah. Uh, before I, I mean, geez, I was just about to go off on another tangent about how they. No, we should. The- we should. Folks, are this you is aware an X-Men of, podcast. Are you aware of the fact that that song was sampled for a, a pop song that was used in Top Gun Maverick? I am not aware of anything about <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Okay. I know nothing about Top Gun Maverick. There is a song in the Top Gun Maverick soundtrack that samples that song, young folks. Really? Um, that sounds yeah. that sounds like I would be mad at the song. Like I get mad at Kid Rock when I think I'm about to hear Werewolves of London and I'm not. Yeah, it's One Republic uh, called, the song is called I Ain't Worried. And <laughs> One Republic, you know, I didn't actually think that my Kid Rock joke was going to be as relevant, but no, I would have exactly the same reaction. Yeah, it's a, it's a real odd choice. Um, all right, sorry. Time Man Thing. Over. Man Thing. Man Thing. Man and, Thing. And, X-Men fans might be wondering why are we talking about man thing? So Zach- because it's because it's here, here, you guys want an answer? Y'all want an answer? It's like episode 330. There's only so <laughs> many X-Men comics and dang it. We're doing it for us. Now we told you when the attitude era started, we're doing this for us. Now you can either listen or not. And that's fine. I don't look at the numbers anymore. You, you should listen to this. There's some wacky stuff in this one. Um, this was a Patreon request though, wasn't it? Yes, it absolutely was a Patreon request by Patreon supporter Kyle. Still, if you want to be like Kyle, you can go on over to patreon.com slash battle the atom. Reach deep down into your hearts and pocketbooks and toss a couple of coins into our coffers. Kyle wanted, it's $5 if you want to give us requests. The lines, listen, put a request in. We'll see what we can do. We're getting experimental now. Mm -hmm. Uh, in that like Bjork, I I told you so much on this podcast. I don't understand that reference, but that's fine, Adam. We're gonna roll with it. Because uh, Kyle requested Man Thing Volume Two Number Eleven, titled Hell's Gate, and Kyle asked me when when they sent it in. They're like, "Is this does this count?" And I said, "I don't care. It absolutely <laughs> counts now." It absolutely does count because, um, yes, does this feature some uh, minor supporting X-Men characters in it? Yes. But it also stars its writer, famous X-Men scribe Chris Claremont, who was writing Man-Thing Volume 2, though he is the narrator and the you know, sort of the bookend star of this comic book. And we know this just from the cover. What a cover. <laughs> the cover in script says over it, it says tear stained last issue of the man thing. And then Danny Fingeroth writes on there. I give up. I can't write cover copy for this crazy book. I mean, how do I explain that Dr. Strange dies and that Chris Claremont writer of man thing and X-Men also buys it in this ish. No one's going to believe it. I don't even believe it. And I edit the book. Danny Fingeroth. <laughs> And we open on a small cafe crowded with people. Uh, I guess it's a bar. Um, it's a bar. Because Chris Claremont's drinking his uh, his night away, uh, smoking a cigarette, looking pretty dang haggard. Uh, you know, Chris Claremont has been drawn many times in, in uh, comics. This is not a flattering look for him. I don't know if it's not a flattering look for him or if it was 1981, which means it was still the 70s in fashion sense. <laughs> And he just looks like, again, any man in the 70s. He, the the artist is uh, Val Merrick and is definitely trying to get a likeness of Claremont. But, you know, I've met Claremont. I've seen photos of Claremont in the 80s. And this guy looks a little more haggard than than what I think Claremont looks like. But, you know, it's okay. He's supposed Adam, to be Adam, haggard. I, yeah. I gotta bet that Chris Claremont looked that way more like 
more likely than we want to admit sometimes. <laughs> I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's supposed to look very downtrodden. Um, so much so that uh, Wheezy, Louise Simonson, uh, Jim Shooter, and uh, who, who else is here? Oh, and Danny, Danny Figueroa are there to try and find Chris because he's been missing. Why has Chris been missing? Well, he's been on a bit of a misadventure. So Chris Claremont uh, is trying to tell people that Man-Thing's real, so he's <laughs> he's not writing Man-Thing anymore. He went into Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's having this romantic date, lovely evening, when he sees a pirate ship soaring through the sky, and... <laughs> He sends his, uh, you know, his significant other off to find help, and he runs into the Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, only to be attacked and stabbed by a pirate named John Daltrey. John Daltrey, yeah, he was. So John Daltrey, for people who don't know Man Thing, in Chris Claremont's run of Man Thing, was the sheriff of Cypress County, Florida, uh, <laughs> home of the Citrusville swamps where Man Thing lives, mm-hmm. and as we all know. Man thing protects the nexus of all realities. Yes. Which is so that's swamp. what it's also in havoc and like seven other things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The nexus is, uh, it's spread around a little bit, but you know, we, we get this pirate killing Chris Claremont and then we immediately cut to man thing jumping out of a closet, I guess, um, yeah. crashing through a wall. Man thing used to be Ted Salas. Um, he is not Ted Salas anymore. He is Man-Thing. Do we need to explain Man-Thing? Hey, guys, do you know, uh, let's see. Do you know very famous comic book Swamp Thing? <laughs> yes. Familiar do with you the know, idea. Do you know the general concept of a Swamp Thing? Hmm. A creature of the of the Swamp? Yeah, yeah. That's what Man-Thing is. People try and give Man-Thing like an actual personality or dialogue sometimes. And I hate that. They shouldn't do that. Man-Thing's a weirdo. Man-Thing shouldn't, like, be extant. It just no. is. No, he just sort of wanders around. He has these droopy things on his face. Um, he's got kind of like an like an elephant proboscis and, like, three of them, like, the drape over his eyes. Um, anyway, he's currently living with Barbara Bannister and um, the personification of death, Joseph Kowalski. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> we find out that John Daltrey, the pirate boy, has been possessed. He's not normally a pirate. Has been possessed by Throg the Netherspawn. Thog, not Throg. Thog. Thog. I'm sorry. I keep thinking of Throg. Yeah, it's not Throg. We don't want to confuse our listeners. Thog, Thog and Throg are different. Um, <laughs> also, this is not the same as Thog the Ancient from uh, the Hyborian Age. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't want to get our thugs confused. It's almost um, this one, definitely just Chris Claremont stealing that name. It, it or just I'm is, sorry, this is a Steve Gerber character. This is almost definitely Steve Gerber stealing that stealing, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and Thog is here is just a red devil guy. Um, it's not very exciting. But to to fight this uh evil, Barbara Bannister has to be turned into her own personification of death, which then I guess puts her in like a sexy unitard. Cool. Um but then she has to go like be there when someone dies. So they end up like, this is all very strange. This is so Chris Claremont famously was, I don't want to know if I want to say involved in or dating a witch. He was, he was like dating a, a Wiccan practitioner who was very in the New York scene in the Mm seventies. Like Mm -hmm. that's just a thing. So part of this feels like Chris Claremont just going like, and everyone knows about this stuff. We all know how these spells work. It it does kind of seem that way. Um, after this uh, roadside accident where Barbara witnesses this death or perhaps causes it because she's a personification of death, they all end up in like Thog's underworld. And to stop Thog, like... Well, who's all? Who all ends up in Thog's underworld? Well, right now, like when they get there, it's just Kowalski... Uh, man thing and Barbara Bannister. But then once they get into the lair, we learn that Daltrey has like a whole crew of people who he is like stabbed with his pirate sword. So who's here, Zach? We got a whole, whole cast here. Clea's here. Dr. Strange is here. Andrew and Jennifer Kale are here. Dakim, the enchanter is here. Uh, also 
Margolian uh Gemini uh Sardos. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt's so mom, there you go. Kurt's Kurt's mom and his his sister lover. His gal pal. Um so you know, there's some fighting. Man thing knocks the pirate guy out. De- uh, man thing is turned back into Ted Salas for a couple minutes. Chris and Claremont then, becomes a man thing for a couple minutes. Yep, yep. Chris Claremont uh, does become man thing, and then man uh, Ted Salas does become man thing again at the end, and everybody's fine. Um, Chris Claremont is returned just in time to hear that he doesn't have to keep writing man thing anymore jim shooter is letting him off the hook um jim shooter also- just cancels this book on page which is <laughs> incredibly quiet. funny like if i handed this book to someone i don't want to say it would be impossible to understand because i think you get the deal of oh these are chris claremont's the guy who writes this book these are identified as the editors of like people at marvel and jim's their boss he's the very tall man with the bad haircut <laughs> I'm sorry, he is. Both of those things are true. Sure. He was a he was a haggard veteran of the comics industry by the time he was 30. <laughs> oh, and she just like, yeah, Chris, we're canceling the book. You don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, we don't want to torture fine. you anymore. And of course, then we learn in the final couple panels that Chris Claremont and Steve Gerber before him really weren't writing the book at all. Uh, it was actually the wizard Dakeem who um, it reveals himself as the bartender of this establishment who's been sort of, I don't know, like moving the pen for them um, and giving them all he's been, ideas. Yeah, he's been being like, actually, all these things did happen and I made sure they got written down the right way. It's great. <laughs> this is a weird is it, comic. Is it great? I mean, it's... This is a weird comic book. This is a comic where Chris Claremont gets drunk and talks about the time that he turned into a man thing. So yeah, I think it's a great comic book, Adam. I think that's about the best comic you can get. It sure is trippy. Um, I, I mean, it's a messy thing that like, I I would like the antagonist to this interesting story to be a little better because you know, you're stuck with John Daltrey, the pirate and Fog, the devil guy. And like, that's not that interesting when you come well, down to it. Here's here's the conundrum with Man-Thing. I think this is a solvable conundrum. Okay. But it's the conundrum with Man-Thing as a character. In that Man-Thing is a horror movie monster. Mm, true. And he's also the antagonist, or he's also the protagonist. But he cannot speak or have all that much internality like he has not evolved in the same way that swamp thing has where he's just like a a weird green dude right but like man thing doesn't have sexy hands (laughs) no 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 his whole thing is man thing has a better design than swamp thing though and people aren't ready to hear that but it's true and we all know it I I love the man thing design. I think he's great. And, you know, really it's hard to write stories about a guy who just wanders around attracted to, to like tragedy and, and sadness and sorrow, you know, it's, it's tough. And, and then burning anyone who's afraid of this giant swamp monster that just <laughs> appeared out of nowhere. That's yeah. the weirdest thing. Why do they burn at the touch of man thing when they know fear? Only those that know fear who burn at the Don't touch know. of the man thing. Uh, but like, know. I don't know how the swamp gave him fire powers, but I love it. I love it's, the man thing. It's a good time for everybody. Uh, so why don't we try and rank this on our big list and see what kind of a good time it is compared to the other books? That's the thing, Adam. We do have a big list. And thank you for bringing it up. Because every every episode, we try and, we try and reference. In fact, we try and talk about this big list where you and I have been ranking... 861 X-Men stories on the road. Holy moly. On the road to 900, with the best story being the House of X, the Powers of Ten, the 200th best story being Cable, Blood, and Metal, the 400th being Colossus God's Country from Marvel Comics Presents, the number 600th being the Muir Island Saga, the 800th being SXF from Uncanny X-Men, and the worst X-Men story of all time. You know it, you love it. It is 2099, The World of Tomorrow book that would have been improved if there was more man think. <laughs> uh I would I would say this is probably a 400s book. What do you think? It is better than at 500 generation hope. The future is a four letter word. That's what I'm thinking. 
that's what Which I'm thinking. Generation I don't think Hope gets as... better. I don't think it. Okay, it's it's probably it's not as good as Colossus God's Country. That's got that uh, John Bogdanov art. Yeah, like I mean, I don't. Why think... did an Anasenti write more man thing? That seems like the right writer Ooh, for a man thing. Yeah, that'd be a lot. Give me some Anasenti man thing, right? Get get nice environmental, little political. That give me like good time. Give me literally twenty twenty four Anasenti man thing. Actually, <laughs> that's what I want. And yes, I've read the seeds. It was yeah. beautiful. Was it a story? Who's to say? That's okay. It's vibes. It's all the seeds. The seeds by Innocenti and David Aha uh, is such a vibes book, and I love that. (laughs) It's great. I don't think this is as good as Punisher War Journal six and six and seven at four seventy seven. Then I'm putting it right below it because I don't remember enough about Punisher War Journal to argue that one way or another. But I do think this is better than Captain Britain and the MI thirteen. Uh, one to four. I think that's a good place, you know? Yeah, Punisher War Journal was just that time he fought Wolverine in the jungle for the first time. But it was the first time he fought Wolverine in the jungle. Yes. Yep, it's true. So what does that make it, Adam? What number is that Uh, So this is going to be our new 478 Man-Thing Volume 2, number 11. That is is exciting. And you know what? Our Man-Things aren't done. No, so we we have a few more man things. Um, So if you thought we were stretching the premise a little bit with that story, which I don't agree with, I think that was an X-Men story, you know. I think for um, some value of X-Men story. Yeah, but we are going to go to Uncanny X-Men 144 uh, when Man-Thing does make his way over to the flagship book uh, written by Chris Claremont. So, Zach, what's going on here? The cover says Cry Despair. Well, this is a comic featuring despair, and despair sucks. <laughs> despair is worse nightmare, and nightmare is already not a good character. Like I do not like nightmare at all. Uh, agreed. Not a fun. Like I'm not into nightmare. Uh, despair. Despair plus man thing seems a little bit redundant, and they're also going to fight in this issue. So it, it, you know, it does seem well, cause, like because what it is, it's Chris Claremont in one of the last times he would do it. Honestly. Doing the thing where he crosses over all of the stuff he was writing to X-Men, which I yeah. adore. Love love that for a while, like, Misty Knight's like, oh, yeah, Jean Grey, my roommate. Uh-huh. My roommate, Jean Grey? <laughs> Luke Cage is like, yes, I know all of these people. Why are you making it weird? I'm Luke Cage. I hang out with them sometimes. Not really. I did. He did hang out with Storm in a Flophouse once. I remember that. Yeah, it's true. Storm had some interesting reactions to that this is right after john Byrne has left the book so right after days of future past mm-hmm. uh it's the issue after the demon uh stuff and it is brent anderson on the pencils for this one anderson most marvel readers probably or at least x-men fans definitely know him best for god loves me and kills mm-hmm. uh but i always think of I now always think of him as the Astro City guy, and I know oh, that okay. other people don't. But it's like, oh yeah, from from Astro City, I know him. Yeah. And we've got a uh, Joseph Rubenstein on inks, um, Glennis Wine on colors. So your normal uncanny crew there, and um, the story focuses on the father of one Lee Forrester. So at this point in the story. Um, Cyclops has kind of gone off on his own. He is mourning Gene and, um, you know, has become, I, I guess a member of Lee Forrester's crew on her ship. He does what all men should do in mourning and go to the sea. <laughs> the sea is the sea siren song calls to him and he must feel that salt air, uh, the wind on his brow, like he wants that. He needs that. So Scott has become a become a sailor. Yeah, he's a sailor man. Unfortunately, Lee's father, Jock, uh, has just learned that he has inop- inoperable terminal cancer and um, has decided that he is going to uh, end his life. Um, and that's how this story starts, which, which attracts. to be fair, yeah, despair's like, oh. <laughs> well, it not only attracts despair, it also attracts man thing. So there's, right. there's a little bit of both. Um, but it, 
despair is there to really push jock over the edge to actually commit the act whereas man thing is just sort of mildly attracted to the sadness and Man thinks just like, ah, there's some weird stuff happening over here. I'm (laughs) going to work on instinct. Yeah, I'd like to watch. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about Man Thing is that he does like to watch. It's a, don't worry about, don't worry about Man Thing over there. He just likes to, I love Man Thing so much. He's a weirdo. The problem is that when Man-Thing goes to take out Despair, they've fought before. And what happens when Man-Thing tries to fight Despair is that Despair can actually push Man-Thing's fear flames back onto him. So Man-Thing catches on fire. It's not great. Despair takes on the form of the now dead Jock Forester. And when Lee and Cyclops go to visit, um, they all have to fight. Meanwhile, all of the X-Men are making fun of a 13-year-old girl. They really are like (laughs) teasing the heck. Remember that if demon came right before this, that kitty has gone through this incredibly traumatic experience of being chased through the mansion by the Nagari. She's been here for like four days and she's already destroyed most of their house and found out that in the future that she's really cool. And, but through no fault of her own. And they are just like teasing her unmercifully uh, to the By point By they, that- we of course mean Wolverine and Nightcrawler, the two people who would absolutely be like, just like going back and forth on this one. Yeah. Because the, I mean, they both actually like legit respect that. Oh, wow. This kid, this literal baby child stopped a demon in a pretty cool way in the way that they as dudes show their respect is making fun of each other and they forget that she's a 13 year old girl. And I swear if Jean was alive, this is the thing she would walk in and she'd be like, you freaking idiots. (laughs) You two dummies. Do you not, do you not think for like five seconds? And I understand Nightcrawler has a lot of compassion. He is normally a thoughtful person. I a hundred percent believe that this is a thing he would do. He does bring her a nice warm jacket because it's cold outside because she does storm out the, the wall through, with, you know, with her powers. And um, uh, I also like Kurt's jacket here. He's wearing this like lovely purple, um, you know, hood with a fur lining over the hood. Um, and, you know, he apologizes. So that's nice. He's but, the one um, to apologize. Wolverine never would. He would no, tell no, of course not. not. We also do get, I, I forgot, I didn't want to skip this, but we do get this great billiard scene with uh, Scott using his, um, his, his eye blasts to basically like master of geometry, get all of the pool balls. And, you know, it's really fun. It's fun. It's also one of those things. It's one of the things in comics I kind of like hate. It's like, look. He, look at this feat that he's pulling. And I don't really hate it for this scene. More I hate it for how many times I've had to see someone like, oh yeah, Scott Summers, his real powers is his tactical mind. Look at all this geometry stuff he can do. It's like, nah, Chris Claremont was told that he had to show that he could do lasers before he fought the man thing. So he just made him shoot a billiards ball because he thought that would be fun. Scott does almost get into a fight with one of the crewmen and then they respect him afterwards. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so after Scott pulls a color of money, he, um, and Lee do get sucked into despair, um, by despair. And Scott is in this hallucinogenic, you know, Lee, vision. Lee asks him to come with her to her dad's place. Cause her dad yes. seems weird. So he's immediately going on a private rendezvous with the captain, his best girlfriend, Lee Forrester. But they're not even dating at this point. Like they're just not yet. Uh, you know, they will, but not, not at this if point. If Lee has her way, shoot. <laughs> oh, she's into it. Um, but in this dream, uh, Scott is fighting off sentinels of the uh, giant size X-Men team. He's back on uh, the, the butte with, uh, with Jean when they had sex before the dark Phoenix saga. What a bad way to lose your virginity. I know we don't talk about that in the context of dark Phoenix saga enough, but what a terrible way for Scott Summers to lose his virginity. One, not to a real person. Very mm-hmm. funny. Very Scott Summers. Mm-hmm. Two, the person immediately dies and does evil. Sure, sure. Also, no mattress up there. I mean, it's just a rocky, flat oh surface. Gosh. So. Honestly, in look, mesas are not known for their comfort. <laughs> that does that sounds bad. Like, 
I'm 32 years old. I don't need that in my life anymore. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, but he does wake up from this vision. You know, he is fighting against, he feels like, you know, he's, he's really gotten past his mourning for Gene in this, in this dream scene. Uh, man thing jumps in to try and help and stuff just, I don't know, like the concussive blasts, I guess kind of don't work on despair. Everything just ends up on fire. Because all that no t- fear burn at the touch of man thing. Uh, so I guess like people were afraid and man thing didn't touch them, but his fire was already started. Mm, yeah. So, um, Cyclops manages to rescue Lee from the flames, get back to the little hydrofoil they took over to the shore and the house burns down and, you know, man thing goes back out for another walk. It is weird that people just really struggle. They're like, okay, man things in this comic book. What does he do? Crap. He just looks cool. <laughs> We don't know what to do with Man-Thing. Chris Claremont knows what to do with him, I guess. Uh, You know, he's involved. He's there so that Scott can go on this psychological journey, you know, and have this vision as Claremont likes to write. I feel like our last issue very explicitly had Chris Claremont saying he doesn't know what to do with Man-Thing. I feel like he was like, I'm 11 issues into this thing and I've got nothing. Yeah. I'm out. He, he must like the character enough, though, to bring him over. And I, I think Brett Anderson does a nice job uh, drawing this issue. Brett Anderson looks- draws a great man thing. And he's not a guy that I would immediately peg for a man thing artist. I like his man thing. Yeah, he does a good job. I, I like the art here. I like the vision. It fits into the sort of style of the book of the time. And it looks good. Is this like essential? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's collected in Essential X-Men Volume 3, I I believe. It is. uh, We didn't neglect to mention that it is yet another retelling of Scott's parachute story with with Alex. Um, Okay. You and me are like another retelling. We do have to remember that like. They people just didn't like keep these books around all the time. Oh, I know, I know. They had to remind people what the origins were. I get it. It's true. It just happened. People need to stop doing it, though. I agree. This isn't the first time this has been told. No, no, no. The first time it happens is in the original Phoenix Saga, I want to say. I think so. Okay. I want to say it's right around there. I was going to say it can't be here. All right. So it has to be because they have to establish what happened to his dad. Yeah, right. So that we can get to the reveal of the Starjammers. Unless, Um, wait, does, does it happen in the Neil Adams stuff? With Havoc's first oh, appearance? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. I don't remember anymore. We should do this. But no, I don't know. We shouldn't. Who, Zach, I'm not looking should it we? Up. I'm not looking I don't it care. It's, it's one of those two times. If it's not the one, it's the other. And you're reading some pretty decent comics, even if we get it wrong. So suck it up, I guess. I'm not a Wikipedia. That's what I'm going to say. Is this I'm better or worse than the first story? <laughs> it's better than the first story. It is. I think so too. Is it still in the 400s though? Probably. It's probably I mean it's fine. It's it's not bad. This isn't uh, this isn't the best. This isn't the best it gets. Do we got like where's the where's the closest Submergence of Japan is at 430. Submergence of Japan is better. The first havoc is better at 433. Yep, I would agree. Hellfire Gambit's probably better than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, is it better than Into the Void? Oh boy. Uh, no, I don't think it is. I don't think it's as good as Skinning of Souls at 459, which is X Men 17 to 19. Then I'm putting it below X Babies at 460, but above the X Men versus the Avengers 1 through 4, a story that is incomplete. That's a great place for it. You know, this is a fine, uncanny X Men issue. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, it's middle of the road. It's middle of the road. And uh, our next story, I, I don't know what road it's on. It's it's a, it's a wild one, but I know that you your pulse went up when you got a chance to add this to the <laughs> to the show. So I'm going to let you introduce this next one, Zach. Well, I want to introduce it with a reading. Oh, uh, a reading. A reading of the of the text, really. Yes, please. And Adam, 
you know, and those of you at home, feel free to read along with me. Where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner? I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead to share with the worms that gather in the darkness and surround the world with the power of their lives, while from the dim-lit halls of other places, forms that never were and never could be writhed for the impatience of the few who never saw what could have been in the black water with the sun shining at midnight. Those fruits shall come right, and in the darkness of that which is golden shall split open to reveal the revelation of the fatal softness in the earth. The shadow of the abyss are like the petals of a monstrous flower that shall blossom within the skull and expand the mind beyond what any man can bear. But whether it decays under the earth or above on green fields or out in the sea or in the very air, all shall come to revelation and to reveal in the knowledge of the strangling fruit and the hand of the sinner shall rejoice for there is no sin in shadow or in light that the seeds of the dead cannot forgive and there shall be in the planting in the shadows a grace and a mercy from which shall blossom dark flowers and their teeth shall devour and sustain and herald the passage of an age that which dies shall still know life in death for all that decays is not forgotten and reanimated it shall walk the world in the bliss of not knowing and then there shall be a fire that knows the naming of you and in the presence of the strangling fruit its dark flame shall acquire every part of you that remains where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner okay you were supposed to stop me before i like circled back <laughs> around adam no you were you were in the tower you were going you know <laughs> folks uh I hope you recognize that. If you don't, you need to read Annihilation. Go read Annihilation and, by Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, um, because that's what ben, that's that's what Ben, ben Percy's Percy. doing in this one. <laughs> ben Percy certainly has read Annihilation because he just I when I read this, I just got such a smile on my face because I was like, Oh, he's just doing Annihilation. Okay. Um what is this he's book, Zach? What is this, this comic is, book? This is Weapon Plus World War IV, World War Four, mm -hmm. uh, volume one. Uh, there's two stories in there. We'll get to the second one as well, because it's equally delightful. Uh, it's called Weapon 4, or IV, mm -hmm. uh, by Ben Percy and George Shanti. There's also a Weapon 2 story by Ryan Caddy and David Baudion. We'll get to it. If you don't know what Weapon 2 is, folks. Fun surprise. For a treat. Really do you is, remember? I, you know what's annoying you, is that they spoil that on the cover. That they shouldn't have spoiled that on the cover, but I guess that could have been a selling point. It had to have been a selling point <laughs> to weirdos like you and me yeah. and Paul Shear. Uh, mm. No, so do you remember? It's literally as Krakow was starting. Editor Chris Robinson has his own weird thing that he's doing that doesn't go anywhere because the pandemic hits, and then Robinson uh, leaves Marvel. But do you remember the Weapon Plus? stuff that was going on yeah yeah i mean it was really establishing what all of the in-between weapon numbers were you know we kind of established that captain america was part of the weapon program that, that right? was clearly established by grant morrison i think nuke was established somewhere in there uh maybe by remender officially but i'm not sure we yeah. knew what weapon three was in fact we did know what weapon two was thanks to uh ryan north and chip Zdarsky. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a different but connected weapon too, and it still fits in the theme of it. Anyway, they were doing a bunch of stuff about all the other weapon programs, which is delightful, uh, all by completely different writers. Uh, it was a weird anthology. didn't really work. It was supposed to build up to Weapon 30. That's Weapon XXX. <laughs> Great. Love no it. notes. <laughs> so good. Uh, doesn't get anywhere, but we do get this. It's Weapon 4. Ivy. Yep. It's Ivy. Ivy. It's, it's they took the Ted Salas Man-Thing formula from the Mountain Goat Song song for Ted Salas, and they uh, used it to make a super soldier named Jackson Strode, who yes, is Manslaughter. Okay, yes. Manslaughter. Manslaughter. Whoa, I, that's fun. I love Benjamin Percy so much. Here's the thing. <laughs> and comics fans, you're not going to like to hear this. Benjamin Percy writes at the exact level that his audience is prepared for, which means when he's writing Wolverine or X-Force, it's kind of dumb. And when he's writing literary criticism, it's very smart. And you can tell that he teaches this stuff. And when he writes thriller novels, he writes them so that like 
you're kind of fist bumping the whole time, even though he could do literary fiction. It has incredibly great like short stories that show those chops. He also knows he's got to sell this stuff. So he does it. And I can tell you nothing sold me on a comic book faster than the cover of Weapon Plus World War Four, which it's Ivy. Get it? Like, I can't get over the fact that it's Ivy. <laughs> so freaking funny to me. It's manslaughter standing in front of an American flag. It's a Kyle Holtz uh, cover, and he's holding three Gatling guns strapped together. Yep. With yep. a with a helmet that says "Burn" on it. <laughs> yep. And we get right into the annihilation right on page one because there is a quote unquote dome of fog, uh, which four soldiers enter through, and sort of you know it's a little. Uh, wobbly as they walk through and um it it's just a straight up like homage to the movie by alex garland so um we then cut to russia where um we get introduced to manslaughter who's being tortured and then transforms he is and then he they're like okay you finished your mission good job jackson hey we got one more job for you he's like i was out this was supposed to be my last one (laughs) Percy knows that he's like, I got to get you guys the broad strokes just so like you understand who this character, this archetype is, because I've got 20 pages. I got 20 pages and I want I want to draw some weird. I want some weird plant stuff to be drawn. A thing that Ben Percy was doing a lot of at the time. Yeah. And when uh, manslaughter goes into the Dome of Fog, uh, which is happening in, in the state of Washington, the Olympic Peninsula, he starts encountering things like you might see in the movie Annihilation, um, such as. Adam, do you know about the Olympic or the Olympic National Forest Mycelium Network? Isn't that where they can kind of sense things like it's it's kind of black tom-ish right like they can yeah that's what that's what black tom's coming from but the olympic national forests that's like any mycelium network okay Uh, the olympic national forest mycelium network uh is arguably the largest living thing on earth wow how big is it like i mean like acres and miles like mile like square miles like it's Mm. it's a huge mycelium network in fact cup that came out at the same time ben percy wrote a whole book about it called the unfamiliar garden you can go listen to our podcast interview about it uh and actually of it's upsetting but of his comet trilogy series cycle whatever Mm -hmm. um the unfamiliar gardens the weakest book of them all in fact his latest one the sky vaults i think like it was one of my favorite books i read last year it's a rip-roaring good time nice Nice. Um, well, anyway, manslaughter's there and gets attacked by zombies, um, you know, kind of like plant corpse people and, um, you know, does his does his work to, you know, he's got all kinds of fun things that can happen with his body. You know, he has to shoot out. He can shoot off spikes. He can just hold a big gun and shoot people. And he what he does is he finds his target and his target is a person who has had the swimming pool thing from Annihilation happen to them. <laughs> yeah, it's another reference. It is from the movie Annihilation. And we learn that it is Jackson's brother, Philip. Hmm. And Jackson's really mad about all this. He eventually gets everything out, talks to uh, his handler, Blackgrass, I think is his name, and kills him and says, I'm going free. I don't care about you giving me a cure for this anymore. You you screwed with my family, so I'm leaving. He also just acknowledges the fact that they probably don't have an antidote for him anyway. They did this experiment without any intention of transforming him back. So feels like Ted Salas would have come up with something. Yeah, Manslaughter's just gonna wander the earth and do stuff. Um, I do. He goes into X Force after this for one arc that unfortunately, yeah, that it feels like I don't. I didn't love that arc to start because I think Robert Gill's art isn't up to what it needs to be in that one, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is odd because I actually think Gill gets so much better. Like the next time he's on the book. Yeah. Uh, But that, that one arc with manslaughter, unfortunately doesn't live up to what it needs to artistically. And I feel similar about George's Genty on this. I don't think Genty's the right fit. He has some of the moodiness that he needs, but like, I keep comparing it to like what Josh Kassara was doing on X-Force. Not that 
far away from this. I keep thinking of all the, like, I think of the uh, I Breathed a Body by Zach Thompson uh, with art by uh, Andy McDonald and, like, the weird bio-horror stuff or, like, what Morgan Beam does with a lot of her work. And, like, there are so many artists that I would kill to see draw this character. Kelly Williams, Nacho Man's Sandy Cabbage. Uh, Kelly Williams uh, would do an amazing job with this character. So many people would do a great job with this character, and I just don't think George Gentry's got it in him. I don't. I don't dislike the art here. I. I think it's. Uh, it's fine. But I agree. There. There could be something that was a little bit more. Uh, hashtag fungus core. You know, that would that would up the ante on this. Um, I. I also appreciate some of the design details here, like the the weapon plus plus that is used inside the book to indicate the end is basically just the Tom Muller, uh, Krakoan X, but turned, uh, 45 degrees. So can I tell you a super fun fact about that? (laughs) Yeah. This is the, the tiniest bit of trivia that anyone will ever have, but you're going to remember it when I say it, the first appearance of the Tom Muller Krakoan X in an actual printed comic is not in house of X. It is Wolverine and Captain America weapon plus volume one, number one. Where it is that logo, but on its side. Oh, get out. That came out beforehand, huh? That came out like the week before House I of love X, that. I think. I love that. Well, speaking of the Krakoan era, um, the second story here does involve an attack on, against Orcus. Um, so we're on an, an Orcus uh, sea vessel known as the Trident. And who <laughs> shows up to stop them? But boy, howdy. It's, it's brute force. Yes. Uh, it's Brute Force, baby! Yes, Brute Force, um, the famous, infamous characters from the 1980s, um, who then only had that one miniseries. Um, you mentioned Paul Shear before. There's a very funny Disney Plus TV show where Paul Shear tries to get Brute Force made into an anime. I mean, it's a goof. It's not really happening. but it's a go- Okay, so you say it's a goof, but... So, you know, Brute Force, they appeared in the Brute Force uh, 1 through 4. Yep. Never to be seen again, right? Mm. Wrong. Do you know who, do you know where they next show up? I mean, did they show up before this? Yes. They showed up in 2014's Deadpool biannual number one uh, uh, by Paul Shear. Oh, okay. Fun. So he got to play around with the characters. He legit brought them back. That's why he does that, because he's like... He legitimately thinks brute force is delightful. Oh, that's great. Um, well, this is this is a quick story. It's David Baldion um, doing the art, which Ryan Caddy writing looks absolutely wonderful. Um, and you know they they attack Orcus. Unfortunately, uh, the dolphin um, Echo. does die. The thing about brute force in this is that they all talk in emojis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <sighs> like they they. There's thought put into how brute force would actually operate mm-hmm. in the context of this because they're like, yeah, they have they have an animal instinct, so they can be like, yes, good, bad, safe, but not complex. And I think that actually works to this and makes it because here's the thing: when when Gmo was making Weapon Two be animal experiments, that was riffing on We Three. Yeah, that's what it was. It was like, hey, look, you know, you know, we three that book. I'm saying that we three I'm saying we three here. But Marvel can't do that because they don't own we three. So mm-hmm. Ryan North and Chip Zdarsky was like, hey, there's a squirrel, a squirrel Wolverine called Squirrelverine. And that can be weapon, too. That's yes. also very funny, uh, especially yep. because in that comic, uh, the cat that Aunt May adopts uh, from Howard the Duck mm-hmm. becomes a we three. Oh, I love that. It yeah. just becomes a, the Wii 3 cat, which is so funny. So uh, anyway, it works. It works to be like, and brute force is in this. Oh, and yeah. They are part of the weapon. Like it, there's like a sadness to it, which is well, weird. I was going to say, pulls it out. yeah, the, the, this is a short story, but it is tragic. You know, you, you get the sense that not only are these fierce warriors, but that they are animals, you know, they, they have, you know, animal noises and it's, there's a sadness to it. Um, you know, it's kind of indicated that the comic 
was like an ode like the actual brute force number one appears on the last page as i guess it was like urban legend turned into a comic um well in marvel continuity there is like the marvel comics group exists and right licenses out certain superheroes and that's that works when the story needs it to work yeah um here it's credited to uh one of the assistants back in the early days of the program came up with the code names too uh but it's you know suggested that these that this team brute force is going to go off on other missions and i have to say baldion makes them look really cool they look great they don't look super goofy and you know they look like they could go on some adventures. Yeah, no, like, here's the thing. Baldeon makes brute force work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, of, of the books we've covered this week, this might be the most far afield, but, like, we still got Orcus here. We're still part of the Weapon X, Weapon Plus program, which is all connected back to Wolverine. So I it think was it very counts. much, it's, I think it counts one of the, I think it counts more than that first man thing one, even though Chris Claron said it. Like, all of this stuff comes back to X-Men in one way or another. Like, it's all in that realm. And also, Absolutely. I don't care. I can still think of how good it was when I saw the manslaughter design for the first time. I was like, yes, this is what I want in comics. People don't seem to understand. What the sickos want is this <laughs> weird plant dude with Gatling guns. That's all I want. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a bad strategy at all. I and want, I I want Jackson Strode to become an eco terrorist. Oh yeah. Okay. That's and by that Jackson Strode finds finds Nature Girl and it's like, actually, I think you were right. <laughs> and I have some notes. High five. Let's make this happen, people. Let's take let's take curse out. Let's put manslaughter in. There we go. I would Winning. Uh, curse can stay i guess like i don't remember what happened in realm of x because that book was Oof, that was a bad. low ranker on this list i know something happened to curse in that i'm not paying attention to it though i i, I couldn't even tell you i never finished that that many um it's a rough thing it's, it's adam you remember the return to, to the asgard war yeah uh yep mm-hmm it's on that level of rough but without the joy of boom boom oh no no it was way worse than that zach um at least the issue that I read. All right. Is this better? The or... issue? You didn't even keep going. Okay. No. We'll have to I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get no, into this. But I will too say. New. It's too new. new when too I fresh. hit the first issue and Marrow had a British accent, I was out. I was like, they don't know what they're doing here. Um, okay. So is this better or worse than 461, uh, what we just ranked, the Uncanny X-Men number 144? Better or worse? I mean, I, mean, I think so. I think it's better too. So let's work our way up. Um, let's see. This let's is still see. goofy. I, it's it still owes a lot to I'm, Jeff Vandermeer, but I think there's a lot of fun here. There's a lot of fun here. That's the problem. Is that I? The problem with this is I don't think the execution is bad. I think the writing does exactly what it needs to for a twenty-page story. I don't particularly love the art, so I don't think it lives up to what I want. But yeah, in general, I think I think it's fine. Yeah, I like think we might be in the low 300s here, you know? Hold on, hold on. This is a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. What do you got? 403 is X-Men 2099 Doom. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like this is this is this is X-Men 2099 territory where I love it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in it, even if the specific package of comic that we're talking about isn't a piece of greatness. Yeah, you I have you have New X Men 132 highlighted at 409. That's ambient magnetic fields. That's the Lorna issue mm-hmm. with Phil Jimenez art. I think that's better than this. But I I, I think Sabretooth in charge of Weapon X at 413 is is better than this. Then let's put it right below four four. Let's put it right below four fourteen, which is Exiles one to five, uh, the Saladin Ahmed Exiles uh, with Javier Rodriguez, but above X Men twenty ninety nine one through three. I think that's kind of right. That's it's a great place for the list. Wolverine that has Weapon sixteen, which is weaponized religion that they <laughs> defeat with atheism in the most Jason Aaron thing that Jason Aaron's ever written. Jason Aaron coming soon on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What's that going to be like? Oh Baffling. my God. A, a truly, 
I wish them all the best. I don't hate Jason Aaron. We just don't vibe on the same level, which is weird because like we're we are like on the same we are on the same wavelength, but not on the same frequency. Mm. If you if you are thinking of a sign diagram as I am, we are like <laughs> point to point. We're good. If you average us out, me and Jason Aaron are probably about the same. We are just completely shifted like 45 degrees from another and we cannot get aligned. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to. Uh, but um, all right. So this is going to be our new 415. 415. Yes. Is that what we said? Yeah. We all said right. 415. That's yep. what we Weapon said. Weapon plus World War <laughs> Ivy. I love, think this is good. Love that. That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Adam, the thing about Man-Thing is that I love him. Man-Thing's my boy. Oh, I was just going to say it was fun playing with our Man-Things this week. Uh, there we go, everyone. <laughs> we did it. We did all of them. All of the all of the jokes you can do about this Swamp Guy. Hey, is or is not the best, probably the best Man-Thing thing to exist. I don't know. I actually haven't read a lot of the Steve Gerber stuff because... Uh, 70s counterculture just doesn't always click with me but is the best man thing the fact that he shows up in that black and white uh werewolf by night special and you're like that's man thing it's pretty that's great man thing right there that's just a straight up like a good looking he looked great physical too. man thing we did a great job with that no a non-cgi just like a puppet man thing the way that yep. man thing should be because moss exists <laughs> man thing should look like a guy in a suit honestly like that's his vibe. Looks fantastic. Lurching oh. around. It was pretty great. All I love right. Man Thing. Such a good oh, Zach, a good we did character. it. So Adam, what do you got going on this week? What, what should uh, people know? <laughs> folks can always follow me on social. Adam Rec on Blue Sky and Instagram. Arthur Stacy on Twitter. And uh, next week, Zach, you have the week off. I do have the week off. I have to go to very important trade shows. Uh, and I do not want to record during a busy week. However, if you are in the HVAC industry and you happen to see me, do not bring it up. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need people knowing what I do in my spare time. If they ask, I'll say I've got a thing, but I don't say the name of the show. If they were really that curious, they could Google my name. It's pretty common, but you, you can find me. <laughs> if you, if you Google my name and then like podcast, I bet you find me pretty quick. Yeah, but don't go to any lengths to try and find Zach. He does not want to be don't found. Don't try and find me, but if you happen to be there, <laughs> also don't, unless you're buying me a beer. <laughs> the secret is be cool, okay? Be it's cool. It's like, be chill and don't be like, no one's ever done this, so I don't know why I'm worried. <laughs> I'm making up scenarios in my head where in a completely different context, someone's going to be like... Is that, the, is that the co-host of the third most popular X-Men podcast that I hear talking about uh, the upcoming DOE requirements uh, and how they are going to impact <laughs> our uh, our market? Oh, my God. By the way, so, if you do search Zachary Jenkins podcast, it is me and then me on a different podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. See, so you're confusing people. Don't they don't know which podcast they should be listening to, you know? Well, they could think of the interview with Zach Jenkins on the Appalachian Way podcast. I know oh. nothing about any of those things. Wow. But I'm deeply curious because that ain't me. Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Zach Jenkins does the Appalachian Way podcast. The interview is on Working Class Fishing podcast. Oh, interesting. So there's another of you out there who we need to be worried about at other trade shows. <laughs> I mean, Zach was a very popular name 30 something years ago and like 30 something year old dudes have podcasts. So there that's are, not that crazy. I sympathize. There are other Adam Rex. That's why I don't have the Adam Rex handle on Twitter. So, um, folks other Adam Rex, that is a much less common last name, but I, it's out there, I digress. Man telling you so if you do tune in next week uh zach is off but i will be joined by harvard professor poet and friend stephanie burt um who you who, may know from the new york times article about her upcoming class at harvard about taylor swift yes uh and steph has been on the show before and is coming back to talk about some kitty pride stories so that'll be fun i am so excited 
to listen to this podcast as a <laughs> listener and enjoy my friends talking about stuff and not having to endure, endure, endear, endure. They're very closely related words. <laughs> uh, but my nonsense. Oh, we love your nonsense, Zach. There's a certain brand of person that enjoys this nonsense. But until then, folks, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survive the experience. Get it!